Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Welcome to Timber Nook Tips. Jeff Johnson here with Angela Hanscom. Angela, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I was just saying that um, I have more reflection time. <laughs> yeah, we're living in a world where we we all seem to have a little bit more time on our hands than in the in the in the pre-plague days. Yeah. And so, what do you what have you been reflecting on? I'm just um, yeah, just really thinking a lot about um, the story behind Timurnik and how it started, and you know, um, and just kind of planning for the future and taking my time cleaning up the outdoor classroom. It's been very therapeutic. It's kind of like cleaning your house or I was thinking almost like, you know, when um, mothers are about to have a baby, uh -huh. <laughs> like how they go into nesting mode. I feel like that, like I'm preparing for something. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see what it is when, when, we, when we all emerge from isolation like, like uh, butterflies. That's going to be great. Um, so what do we want to dig into in this episode? So, yeah, I thought we could talk a little bit about um, natural environments compared to, um, I guess, like adult prepared environments indoors and how those vary uh, um, as far as the sensory benefits. Excellent. Let's jump in. I, my experience is that nature, natural environments, those natural settings just seem to offer more. Yes. <laughs> We could just sum it up right there. Yeah, there. Okay, there's the episode, people. Thanks. Um, because no matter how well you plan, you may not be able to plan for what they need. But in natural environments, they just kind of dig in and 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 just kind of make what's there work to their needs. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, um, I guess it for me, like. I'm a, because I'm an occupational therapist, I often think about what a typical occupational therapy environment looks like um, and how that compares to the outdoor setting. So first of all, um, occupational therapists are actually found indoors usually. So we're often in clinic settings. We call them sen sensory gyms um, or we're in schools or we're in hospitals, but we're often indoors. And so the first time I really started thinking about this was um, I worked in a therapy clinic and when you go into our therapy clinic that I worked in, everything was primary color. So it was bright, you know, bright red, bright yellow and bright blue everywhere. Uh -huh. And so the mats that lined the walls um, were like alternating primary colors. We had swings hanging from the ceilings and we have like a Chuck E. Cheese ball pit where all the balls are primary yeah. colors. And so my daughter, who was, I think she was about four at the time, my oldest daughter, she's now 14, but she came to visit me in the clinic setting. And usually she's pretty um, grounded. But when she went in to visit me one day, when I was wor still working in a clinic setting, she um, jumped in the ball pit. And the first thing she did is she started throwing balls around and jumping from one piece of equipment to another. And she, her arousal level got higher and higher. So almost like hyperactive mode. And two therapists came in. I remember this still. And they said, we need to put her in the squeeze machine. <laughs> like let's, you know, the machine that like you squeeze a child through, and go, you know, and so putting deep pressure on her to kind of um, bring her back down again. And I thought, huh, 
like, you know, here we are, um, we're supposed to be sensory experts and our environment is, is overstimulating. And that was the first thought I had and starting, starting to really like relook at our therapy clinics and even our early childhood settings, you know, what, what do our environments look like and how does that compare to an outdoor environment where a lot of the stimuli, and we can jump into this a little bit later, but is very calming and organizing. So, oh, go ahead. My, my experience with that is I, I spent a bunch of years running a, a after-school program, and all of our activity rooms, including the gymnasium, were this bright, shock-your-eyeballs yellow. Yeah. And and then, like you say, in the gyms at the at the end of the the gyms, we had the the wall mats, and those were bright blue and red. And 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 then we complained about kids who couldn't calm down and do their homework and sit still for for three minutes. So I'm totally on board with you. I think uh, when we when we move into the next episode, maybe we could do a whole episode just on colors in yeah. in the classrooms. Um, and so the the whole basic takeaway for maybe this little arc we're going to go on is that the more we can bring a little bit of the natural into our classrooms, the better, but also the more we can get into the natural, I mean, those real natural settings, that's, that's, that's probably our, our, our first choice, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those, yeah, the primary colors and having equipment everywhere was very um, disorganizing, basically. It's the opposite of what we really want for a child to learn. We want them to be organized and prepared to learn. So some of our environments, yeah, thinking about colors is one thing, um, you know, decluttering. Um, and we can talk about this later too, but even like the amount of children in one room is the, those are all factors on how, you know, like to think about of, you know, how do we not overstimulate our children with our environments? When, when you say we want them to be organized, does that mean we want them to be able to find their shoes when they get up in the morning? Or does that mean we want their bodies? I mean, just the, the sensory systems and, and their body systems to be organized or both. Yeah, we want, what I mean is um, to be grounded and to be, you know, calm and alert is really an organized state for a child. Those are the two things I think about, being calm and being alert, like ready to learn. So you don't want them so calm that they're falling asleep, but you want them, you want them calm, grounded, and ready to, to learn. That, I think we could all go through life a little bit better if we, we existed in those states a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I, I got one last question for this episode, um, and it involves my dogs. Uh, you mentioned uh, putting pressure on to help calm, and and I, and I know people. Some times people use the weighted blankets and that kind of thing. Is this why, at the end of the day, when I'm sitting in bed reading or or watching an episode of The Sopranos, and my big old lab boxer mix comes down and just flumps down on me, just I'm like okay, life is, life is good and I'm calm and I'm centered and I'm kind of ready to go to sleep right now. Is that, is that any relation to what you were talking about? Yeah, the deep pressure helps to override that. Um, yeah, and is very calming. So helps override that light touch sense too for children. But that probably needs a, to be a whole episode too. So, whole, so, so, much it, <laughs> so it's okay that Slinky thinks he's a lap dog. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a 70-pound lap dog. Yeah. Any more on this one before we wrap this one up? No, but I think in the next episode, I'd like to like kind of start talking about, um, you know, some, ba some examples of what I'm talking yeah. about. 
the clinic setting versus outdoor setting. Examples of clinic versus outdoor settings in the ne next episode of Timber Nook Tips. Um, Angela, where do people find you if they're looking for you on the interwebs? So timbernook.com or and we do a lot on Facebook too. So following Timbernook on Facebook, you'll see the research and ideas. And now as we're moving out of the plague times, hopefully, are you, I'm sure you're going to be eventually doing live in-person trainings again sometime, but are you also doing online stuff if people want to want to reach out? Because I think we're about the time where people are going to start scheduling and planning mm -hmm. for the future on that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they can reach out to you there for that? Yeah, so we start training again in October. So we were playing it safe um, and we're going to wait till the fall, but um, I am doing some online trainings and conferences in the meantime. Um, and so if anybody needs to reach out to Angela to schedule that kind of stuff, they can totally do that. We will be back really soon with another episode of Timber Nook Tips. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Timber Nook Tips. Share your questions and comments at playvolutionhq.com slash podcast slash timbernook. For more Angela, visit timbernook.com. For more Jeff, visit explorationsearlylearning.com. Like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at a $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.